Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Damon Meon. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, everybody. And Mike. Hello. And it has been quite a while since our last episode. September, if I'm remembering correctly. And I was thinking, you know, it's been a while, so why don't we just talk about games? Uh, specifically, the games we've been playing, uh, rather than hone in on a particular subject for today. And I particularly want to do this because, for me, right, this is being recorded the day before God of War Ragnarok comes out. So I'm super jazzed to play that game. Also, uh, th- it's being recorded the day Sonic Frontiers comes out. Yeah, Sonic oh, yeah. Frontiers comes Which out today. I have not bought yet, but I'm actually uh, thinking about it. Yeah, I, I, I've got sold by the soundtrack exclusively. Uh, so apparently it's pretty good. I guess we can talk about this for a sec. but it, like It's, it's weird because it's like a 7, but it's dude, a 7 made up a of A 7 like, for Sonic? Though? It's a 7 that's made of like 5s and 9s. Like... Like a it, divisive it Sonic out. game. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I, that that I is almost... more interesting than than like people just being kind of like lukewarm on it. Yeah. Exactly. So it's either you really like it or you don't like it. Interesting. Yeah. It's like the it's the Sonic effect. I don't think it is. I mean, a Sonic game being a seven is a good Sonic game. Yeah. A Sonic game that's a nine that's called a two D Sonic game. I'm sorry. True. Yeah, that is true. Well, yeah, no, that that's a pretty interesting score for Sonic Frontier. Like, it's to the point where, like, I would even maybe consider it, like, because, like, I, in no world was I ever going to pay a cent for Sonic Forces, right? I got no. it for free, and I, so I tried it out, and I hated it. I got it but for free, for, and I've never played it. Yeah. Sonic Frontier, I don't know. Keep my eye no, on Sonic that Frontier, one. Sonic Frontier, it runs well on the Steam Deck, from what I've heard, like, 30 frames per second high settings, 60 on the lowest settings, so... I'll probably play it. I might play it a little on the deck since it's a big open world thing. I might play it a little on the TV. Have some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll wait for a discount unless I've, I've just been busy something lately. drastic happens. There's yeah, so man. many games coming out soon. We got Pokemon So many games coming out. coming out. Pokemon's coming out. Bayonetta 3 came out. Um, Bayonetta 3 did come out. But yeah, sure life did. has been, personally, like it's just been like a mixture of work and like yeah. social activities that I have not been yeah, playing too many games. Yeah. For everybody, I think. Yeah. Um, but I had, God of War, <laughs> I was, I just want to bring, reiterate again. So God of War Ragnarok tomorrow, I am taking three days off to play this game plus the weekend. So I will thoroughly have it beat by the next episode, assuming yeah. we're recording next week. And, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll see. But what's, what's annoying is my order still hasn't shipped from PlayStation and there are people like receiving their copies today. So I'm kind of salty. So yeah. One way or another, I'm playing that game tomorrow. If you didn't buy it digitally. Uh, that's kind of what I'm implying, so we'll yeah. see what happens, but, like, I'm not thrilled with that. No. But, uh, yeah. So, that being said, let's talk about games that we've been playing for the past couple months. I you've been teasing me about a game for, like, three days now. I have, yeah. I, I, I mentioned this in the Discord, but I'm a very theatrical person. I like, I like teasing. I like suspense. And I know it's like, not going to be Outer Wilds. So, oh, why would you say that? Because it's never Outer Wilds. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I do have something interesting to talk about, but I, I kind of want to save it till we get further into oh, the episode. Okay. Uh, but Mike sounds like you have the most games played. So why don't you kick us off? All right. So I think the first game. It's an older one. I started playing through Dishonored 2, finally. Oh, nice. Is it better uh, than Dishonored 1? 
Oh yeah, no, Lonely was so much more fun because okay. I have so many more options to actually not kill people. Okay, because I bounced off Dishonored one three times now. I keep it wanting is... to like it. Like every time I play a systemic game, or or even another arcane game, I think I played Prey and it made me want to play Dishonored, and I bounced off of it again. Yeah, Dishonored two I think is like a more refined game. I'll have to try it. I have no, it. I, Dis- Dishonored is very neat. I just feel kind of bad for Arcane because, like, these games are clearly really well made and, like, they're good games. But, like, I don't really think many people play them, right? Like, I don't think that's true. I, think I don't think the sales are okay. I don't think the sales are all that strong. I think Deathloop was, like, a pretty big deal for them. But, like, up until that point, I think they were having difficulty finding sort of more mainstream it's, success of like other Bethesda studios. Immersive sims are kind of like a niche genre. They aren't like a big They 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 are. That's kind of what I was getting at, yeah. But they they I don't know. They're they're really good games and I feel like they should be given more shine. Oh yeah, no. Like I feel like Dishonored 2 is probably the best way to enjoy a Dishonored game. Have you played like um what's the one that comes after 2? Is it like Death of the Outsider? Death no, of the it's, Outsider. Yeah. It's on my list. It, it I have it. Good. I just it, haven't only... played it yet. It looked so good that I almost played it despite not playing the other two. So, because it's a honestly cool series, uh, playing through it non-lethally has its own challenges because sometimes the AI will not do what I want it to do. That's my hang-up on stealth games: is that like, with the exception of Hitman, which I feel like really leans into like accepting your mistakes. If I make a single mistake in a stealth game, I like restart the level, and I'm not that good. So I end up getting, like, kind of hard stopped at, like, halfway through the games, usually. And that's not I mean, fun. R- remind me, Dishonored doesn't necessarily have to be stealth, right? It doesn't you have can, to yeah, be. You can do aggressive like, builds and but stuff. I, I feel like... I'm doing, like, a mixture of stealth, but I'm not quite stealthy. But it if I get like detected, I just accept it. it. I'm just trying not to, to, uh... Uh, the way it works is that stealth isn't as much of a factor as is killing people. Yeah. Not killing people. So you can just, like, run past and stuff? Yeah. Okay. You don't have to engage anything, really. Interesting. That's cool. What are some uh, of, like, the b- big improvements from 1 to 2? Big improvements? Well, uh, they added a lot more non-lethal options. Because in 1, you only had a chokeout and a sleep dart. That was it. That's all you had for non-lethal. Mm-hmm. This, you have multiple takedowns. You can slide takedown somebody, aerial takedown somebody. You have stun mines. Uh, a That's lot of cool. powers are conducive to stealth. It's just more effective at what it does. That's kind of what you want to hope from like oh, a, yeah. a, a sequel, right? It's just like taking the original and just refining it to a sharp point. I will say Emily Caldwin's powers are absolutely game-breaking. The ability to just chain up four guards at once with domino and then choke one out and they all they all go unconscious is really nice but that was kind of the point right like it's a huge power trip it's it's more game breaking than anything else i've experienced yeah i'm gonna have to download that i could play that'd probably be a fun playthrough on my steam deck he says for the what third time this episode already right yeah (laughs) that's that's gonna Um, be a theme for me for the rest of my life probably interestingly enough though the game also throws a time travel mechanic in one of the later levels I'm not going to spoil how, but there is a time travel mechanic at some point. I do. Is love it a time done? Yeah, is it done well? Oh yeah, because you can see into the past and into the future with the item they give you. Yeah, and the time will pass in both the both present and past, uh, and some actions you do can affect the present. So it's it's a lot like the one in Titanfall too. Yeah, but 
I mean, but that, you can you can travel at whim. That's good stuff. Oh yeah, it is. It was a very interesting level. Sounds like a, like a like a JoJo villain's powers. Well, I'd be lost if I didn't play Dishonored one. No. Okay. It's it's self contained and it only like makes allusions to like what happened in one. Numbered sequels are tricky for that. Yeah, this one does it fairly well, which I can't blame it. Play Dishonored too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a solid wreck, I think. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I can go one of my with one of my shorter ones. So I think last episode actually I mentioned I was playing the Modern Warfare Two beta. So I did end up getting Modern Warfare Two and playing the full game. I've beaten the campaign and played a good chunk of the multiplayer. And I have some thoughts, right? So uh multiplayer, it's that same mixture of like frustration and excitement that Call of Duty tends to be, right? Frustration because like Everyone's just so much better than you until you drop in the skill-based matchmaking to, like, a suitable place. Uh, and excitement because it's, like, really fast, arcadey, high-adrenaline, first-person shooter gameplay that I think, I personally believe Call of Duty does that really well in general. Uh, so the multiplayer is there, and it's fine, right? So, like, it's basically what I'd expect. It'd be cool if I had, like, someone to play with, but, like... I, it seems like most of my friends were not really interested in Call of Duty this year, which is whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Modern Warfare, I was... I'm, I'm kind of into the Modern Warfare series as I've, far as COD goes, but... serious beef with the campaigns of these games. Okay, so actually that's an interesting... That's the, the main thing I want to talk about, really. So I played this campaign, and I played it on veteran difficulty, as I always do, so that might contribute to my frustrations with it. Or maybe frustrations is even a little too harsh, right? Because, like, it it was... What I can say about this campaign is that it very much tries to be different from all other COD com- campaigns, right? So what does that mean, right? So less focus on, like, large-scale warfare and, like, more sp- focus on, like, spec ops. Like, the whole thing is basically just, like, stealth operations, right? There, there are obviously some set-piece moments... But, like, not on the level of, like, COD as you'd expect, right? They're a lot more subdued. Kind of like, I guess, for a comparison that makes sense to me, is, like, Uncharted 2 and 3 versus Uncharted 4, right? Uncharted 4 was a lot more, like, held back and stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah, this Call of Duty campaign, a lot of stealth, um, and a lot of weird like, one-off mechanics, right? So, like, and I do, like, applaud the developers for trying something new. I just don't necessarily know if it's something I want in a Call of Duty game, right? So, like, there are levels where, like, basically, so I'm thinking of one specific level where you are stranded, wounded, without any weapons in, like, the middle of, like, an enemy area, and you basically have to, like, find items and craft things. Oh, weird. Uh, yeah, it, it's it was it's very unusual for a Call of Duty game, but you basically have to like home alone some weapons and like kind of fun, sneak around. It it was fun, it was cool, but like I feel like it almost overstayed its welcome a little bit. And maybe the bigger issue for me was that it wasn't really it, veteran difficulty made it a little frustrating. That could be it for me. I don't know. Maybe it just didn't gel with me one hundred percent. But I do respect the fact that it went out of its way. To do something different. Another level, uh, it kind of did that, like, wide linear thing, right? So, like, Call of Duty campaign levels are usually, like, just get from point A to point B, right? Like, shoot your way from point A to point B. But there are levels in this game where, like, okay, 
you're dropped into this massive enemy compound. You can go where you want, tackle objectives in any order you want, and and that sort of thing. And granted, that's not anything new as far as a first-person shooter campaign is concerned, but it is new for Call of Duty. Uh, so I think it is worth mentioning that. But it, it it is weird. Like, you could tell, like, I felt like the devs really enjoyed uh, working on these, like, alternate mechanics. Like, these these weapons-free mechanics that involve, like, crafting and material gathering and stuff. Because the actual, I guess, if you want to call it final boss fight or final encounter of the game, I guess spoilers if you care, but... It's Call of Duty. Yeah. But it, it, it's a similar scenario in which you are stripped of your weapons and you have to frantically gather supplies and craft in order to survive. So it was a, it was kind of an it was an interesting choice, right? Because like that's not really what you associate with Call of Duty. Call of Duty is like guns blazing, high octane, like absolute nonsense, like happening on the screen. You know, crazy set pieces. But this was a lot quieter and a lot. A lot more different, and it tried things that have never been tried before in Call of Duty. So I do, I guess, give it points for that. It's just, I guess, when I consume Call of Duty campaigns, I expect... It's like, you know, getting McDonald's, right? You know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get, and you enjoy it, right? And then you don't think about it again for X amount of time. You know, it's not going to create any long-lasting experiences it's just like fast food and that's kind of what i wanted from call of duty again and i didn't get that so i was a little miffed at first but when i thought about it i was like okay it's cool that they did something different but maybe i would have preferred the traditional like call of duty campaign see i my beef with call of duty is especially this one is that the whole like call of duty has no politics argument and then they have a scene where you the player as an agent of the government are told to de-escalate a situation. Oh, how did I forget this? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, That's an unforgivable sin to me. Like, even... It's not even that I'm mad about the political statement. I'm mad that they're trying to argue that it's not a political statement. Who's ar- trying to argue that? Activision or, like, gamers? Activision is, yeah. Okay. They, that's Activision that's says me. that Call of Duty has no politics. And that's just... Im- I think... It is literally every Call of Duty has politics, and yeah, like other than like maybe the the advanced futuristic ones, but even those are rooted in politics, like future politics that don't yeah, exist. And it's but. it's it's just an insane take because it's so clearly like the mili- the military can do nothing wrong, which is just an extraordinarily bad take. Like it's I, and I just can't support that. Even though like some of the campaigns and stuff, like the bombastic stuff, it looks fun to me. I could never give money. To that like because it because it's just the fact that it like it's so not under a magnifying glass it's like that like that's like the insipid dangerous stuff to me is like something that you know everybody is playing and just kind of accepts without thinking about it at all i think that's just a dangerous i mean that moment like i i'm so glad you brought that up because i definitely wanted to highlight that yeah, moment. definitely that moment elaborate because was I haven't played so the game. absurd to me i thought it was maybe like self-aware you know but i don't really know that you know like i that was the first impression i got but the mechanic happened like several other times that level and i was just like huh maybe this is a little weird but like the first time it was just like point your gun at this person to de-escalate no, it doesn't the even situation say point your gun it says like pull the pull the left trigger 
which is yeah. like to aim down to, sights. Yeah, yeah. So you aim. Well, that's what you're doing. You're threatening them yeah, to de-escalate the situation. Yeah, but it doesn't even say point your gun at them to de-escalate. Yeah. It doesn't have. And, but, it doesn't but the first have time it happened, I literally to say that. I literally, I literally laughed. I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, this is so absurd." Like, no, but it's it's really bad because like, but like, as much I, as we don't I, I, want I to think admit it's... it, there are ten year olds playing this game. Like, right? Yeah, and they're that's, being that's absolutely true in a very yeah. real way that this is all not just okay. That this is what a hero does. Like, yeah, you were the hero not, in this game. It's not good. Like, it'd be one thing should not if be they bothered to make you, like, an anti-hero or anything. But a lot of times, like, they really just don't commit to that, you know? Call of Duty is not unused to controversy. That's the best way I can put it, right? Because do you remember the No Russian mission in Modern Warfare 2? I was two, a little I too young to be... Like, I never played Modern Warfare 2. I'm okay, so there was, like, a notification that came up before that level, and before you played the campaign, and they were like, hey, this level is not for everyone. You can absolutely skip it, if you want. And what it is, it's basically you... And by all accounts, like, I do not think something like this could make it into a Call of Duty game today. But what it was, I was that you wrong. were... You were like, posing well well let me finish. You were posing as a Russian soldier and you were ordered to gun down civilians in an airport. So you're just walking around this airport massacring people, right? And in the end you get found out and shot in the head anyway. I, I think the only way that that wouldn't be included in a modern Call of Duty was if it was an American airport. Like Yeah, maybe. Yeah. They just I, I don't mean know, they just don't seem to care. Like they really, I mean, remember the last Modern Warfare where they pull, pulled off a war crime as being caused by the Russians? Yeah, when it was actually, yeah, it was a U.S. war crime, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah, and they, dude, I don't remember the plots to these games. Like, yeah, exactly. Apparently, like, there is actually like Call of Duty lore and stuff like that. I just yeah. don't follow any of it. It's just like an action movie to me. But they just, there should be, and, and I will say, like, this is a little hypocritical of me because I am no stranger. To enjoying media with bad politics, like some, there are some Marvel movies that have dipped into some, or particularly some Disney Plus Marvel series that have dipped into some serious hot water, in my opinion. Uh, as far as like having some really stupid politics and trying to write it off as like, oh, we're you know, it's just status quo. We don't, we don't actually, we're not making a statement here when like they definitely are. And yeah, I, don't I guess like that Call, either, Call of Duty but. is always presented from that kind of tone depth. Yeah, death like pro gun, pro military perspective. Well, I'm that... pretty sure they get a lot of military funding. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. you know, like I and think so guys, Marvel. I'm pretty sure like guys in the military like love Call of Duty, right? Like yeah. Call of Duty, Halo, that sort of thing is like it's a huge recruiter. like that. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, that's like a huge deal. But like you know, that being said, right? Like you made a really good point, right? There are like eight, nine, ten year olds playing this game, right? Uh, and and you know, like. Having that be presented as just like a normal thing to do to de-escalate a situation yeah. in in an environment where like <laughs> you know like that that sort of thing happens often and it often leads to horrible violence and death you know like that being presented as like the norm is not a good thing yeah uh, but yeah when I saw it I was just like is this a joke like I wasn't sure. I really and I I guess to an extent I'm still not sure, but now I'm starting to think that they're just being tone deaf. I I would I I didn't play the game. So I can't say, but I did watch uh I think it was writing on games, I want to say. I it's usually writing on games that that he plays every Call of Duty and then complains about its tone deaf politics. 
Mm. And uh, it's always a good video. I highly recommend writing on games. There, it's a good YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't like that stuff, and I don't like it enough to not buy those games, even if I think they would be kind of fun. Yeah, no, I mean, totally, I totally get that. It's not like, and it's not like you're missing anything crazy, no, right? No, this I, is I mean, like, I, 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 I'm sorry if it's like insulting to the developers or anything, but I really do see Call of Duty as like fast food that I. That I could consume and then forget about. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that is the campaign, right? So interesting components of the campaign, right? Some controversial, some new mechanics being explored. Uh, but, uh, there's one other, like, major mode, and that's Spec Ops, and I actually haven't tried that yet, but it's like a series of, like, co-op missions. So that's kind of neat. But I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'll find someone to play that with, but. Good luck. Um, yeah, and, and apparently, while we're on the subject, right, there's no Call of Duty happening next year, right? So it's going to be Modern Warfare 2 for a while, but apparently there's, like, a big, in their words, like, premium expansion coming to Modern Warfare 2 that's coming out next fall that'll add, like, lots of new modes and maps and such. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, 2, I guess, technically, right? Because we've yeah. already had Modern Warfare 2. is going to be around for the foreseeable future, so... But yeah, that's that's one game I've that been means playing. A game other than Call of Duty is going to be the best-selling game next year. That'll be nice. Oh, that's another interesting uh, thing uh, to mention, right? The sales. This game is doing gangbusters. Like it's it's already the fastest. It's the fastest-selling Call of Duty of all time, which is shocking to me. Like after Vanguard, right? Vanguard was like probably the. I don't want to say definitively the least because I don't have the data to back it up, but I certainly think it was. But like. Yeah, this was selling like hotcakes. So, Modern Warfare 2 is unfortunately probably going to beat Elden Ring this year for the highest selling game of the year. But hopefully it doesn't because I love Elden Ring, obviously. But yeah, it does seem like with Modern Warfare 2, uh, Call of Duty is back. I don't know if that's just like because it's the Modern Warfare title because that does mean something, right? Modern Warfare... Modern Warfare 2 specifically means something. Like people... Well, that, uh, you know, well, I, I, mean, I know it's a, a ton of people who would call doubly, that the right? last good Call of Duty game. Like du- doubly Modern Warfare Two, and just the Modern Warfare name, right? Modern yeah. Warfare is synonymous with like the modern first-person shooter. I mean, even I game, like know so. some of the maps from Modern Warfare Two, and I never had it. I was just exposed yeah. to so many people playing. Yeah, that's around. another. That's a piece of the um, expansion coming next year. Apparently, they're just adding all the old Modern Warfare Two maps to Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, people are gonna like that. So. Yeah, my first call was Black Ops, yeah. and it's pretty mid. So yeah, my my first one was Modern Warfare, uh, the original, and I loved that game. Uh, well, that was that was an incredible game. Notably, um, Black Ops was my first and my last. I never bought another one. Oh man, yeah, because they're not good games. Hot take. Yeah, they, objectively, Call of Duties are not good. Yeah, yeah, they're fast food to me. Yeah, they're fast food. I don't, I don't, I don't care about them enough to defend them to you. Also, feel free to yeah. Eviscerate I, I figured them. not. This is not. This is not me trying to like controversy like I sometimes do. Yeah. When we talk about like The Last of Us or something. This is me just like right, yeah. they're not good enough to be worth talking about to me. Like other Honestly. than like roasting their politics a little bit. But yeah, okay. So let's move on. Uh, Connor, uh, I'm gonna talk Bayonetta three. Um, nice. So I, I have some questions about Bayonetta 3 as well, but yeah, let's... Yeah, good game. Uh, overall, when you're playing as Bayonetta, this game's pretty fun. The co- You know, it's the best combat the series has ever had. It does this interesting thing. The new mechanic is called Demon Slave. 
And um, Demon Slayer. So Devil May Cry and Bayonetta have a pretty tied up history. Like Bayonetta is made by Team Little Angels, which used to be Team Little Devils and made the first three Devil May Cry games, I think. But then they broke off and formed Platinum Games. And then Capcom continued making Devil May Cry games, which are still excellent. And then Bayonetta games are also excellent, which is like kind of a miracle that that happened. Because now we just get more games in this genre. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Devil May Cry 5 has a character called V. And V has these demons that he attacks with instead of fighting himself. And that was interesting, but it was like kind of half-baked. It was it was the worst part of the game for me, albeit like on my first playthrough, I didn't mind it at all. It was just a nice shakeup. Mm-hmm. But Bayonetta 3 has a similar mechanic where if you hold left trigger, Bayonetta starts dancing and you know her clothes disappear and everything and her hair is <laughs> a thing and a demon appears like a giant clothes demon disappear. yeah it sounds like bayonetta to me and um these demons like are huge and do a ton of damage which is not how v was at all but bayonetta is completely exposed while you're holding left trigger she has to be dancing but what you can do is like kind of queue up some actions for the demon to do and then let go of left trigger and go fight as bayonetta until that queue is gone and then do it again and being able to control, like, two characters at once in that way is really fun to me. I was actually really, really enjoying it. The demons also have their own health, and, like, I think they can, like, get enraged or something. I thought I read that, but that never happened to me, so I don't even know. I played on Did normal. you finish it? Yeah, I beat the game, yeah. I, I played nice. on normal mode. I'll probably play through this game again on a higher difficulty, but I kind of just wanted to see it all first. That's kind of what you have to do in some of these games is like, it takes the entire length of the game to kind of come to terms with the mechanics a lot of the time. But when you're playing yeah. as Bayonetta, this game is extremely fun. And I keep saying that because you do not always play as Bayonetta. <laughs> so, so I heard like there's a lot of, I don't want to say gimmicks, but a lot of like, there are here, like, here's a new set of mechanics that you're going to use for the next like 10 minutes and you know, you'll never see again. And every single time, with one exception, there was one where you're like, like you're, you're on a giant dragon thing, Keiju, and you're like sliding around a city and like the bombast of that was pretty fun. Also, notably, this isn't new to Bayonetta. Like they've always done like short, like weird sections where the mechanics are completely different but there's usually fewer yeah. than this there was like one or two of these per level this time and most of them were pretty unfun and you're just waiting for them to be over uh even graphically it's this game is not graphically impressive at all it actually like the switch i don't know if the switch was holding it back or if there was a budget thing but this game does not look good ever pretty much yeah so i i, I- I haven't seen some ancillary stuff on this game. Like, I watched Digital Foundry's video. I watched, like, Donkey's review. And apparently, yeah, this game is struggling majorly to hit 60. This, like, almost yeah, this at game all times. looks and runs worse than Bayonetta 2, which... Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. In a pretty big way. Um, Especially for, like, a game like this, right? Like, an action well, combat okay, game. Well, okay, so the frame rate never bothered me during the fights, really. I can't think of a single instance that that was an okay. issue. But just, like, there's a lot of, like, little platforming sections and stuff where the frame rate's obviously not great. And, like, the environment's, like, I'm going to compare this game to Devil May Cry 5 a lot because, frankly, like, most of the time while I was playing it, notably, Bayonetta 3 is really good, but I spent a lot of time playing it thinking, like, kind of wish I was playing Devil May Cry 5. <laughs> like, Oh, man. Yeah. Devil May Cry it 5 is interesting, like, these two teams, I feel like, better. are pushing each other, right? Yeah, like, they are, yeah. Well, interestingly, so, like, Bayonetta is only on Switch. Devil May Cry 5 is not on Switch. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. They're not I mean, Devil May Cry has, has more resources to play with. Yeah. 
but uh, oh I, I see what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they're not directly competing because they're not on the same platform but devil may cry 5 is just better in most ways i will say like i didn't use all of bayonetta's weapons because she has so many you get so many cool weapons in this game that i just didn't like i i felt like i needed to master them to to perform well and so i didn't switch a whole lot but like replayability wise and this game highly encourages replayability uh largely because you should skip every cutscene in this game because every cutscene is atrocious and unwatchably bad and poorly <laughs> written i i kind of want to comment on that because so i've been playing bayonetta one it's right? worse than bayonetta one or two that like the absurdity or like no watchability it's or whatever? not fun it the like yeah Bayonetta 1 the, and 2 there, had there, fun, there, absurd There's a campiness happening. to Bayonetta 1 that I enjoy, yeah. right? Like, it's, like, so ridiculous, but, like, also, it, like, it presents itself with so much confidence. I'm just like, okay, I respect this. Yeah, no. Even though this is, like, it. one of the most absurd things I've ever seen in my now, life. Bayonetta 1 and 2 both lose the plot in a pretty big way at the end and turn pretty bad and, like, kind of stop being fun. But then they kind of get it back at the end. It's weird, but... It, like, almost has, like wacky kojima-esque energy like yeah, it does yeah it, it, it's very it's, japanese it's very like bayonetta in bayonetta one and two she's so confident she's so cool she's never afraid of anything she's so on top of it bayonetta three kinda but also just like the problem is you run into a bunch of other bayonettas in this game it's a multiverse game yeah and like None of those, ba- like, it, it kind of does the, the Rick and Morty, like, you were the most Bayonetta, Bayonetta. <laughs> like, okay. and that's fine. But it, like, it's just not as cool. And, like, the writing is so bad as to make the gameplay less fun for me. <laughs> like, it's just really, like, really it, it, bad. Like, it crossed the threshold of just being, like, silly and enjoyable. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's being like, like, this is just, like, what the hell like, is this? because, like, Devil May Cry is also, like, B-movie stuff. Like, it's it's a fun action thing. It, it's, like a, it's like a fun action B-movie. Like, like kind of a, a Judge Dredd with a lo- thing. With a lot of insanity sprinkled in. Yeah, but, like, I'm having a good time with it. The characters are cool, even if they're, like, dorky cool, but they're, like, cool in the universe. But, like... None of it's cool in Bayonetta 3. Like, I'm just... It, it, it makes me mad because, like, there are a couple times in the story... It's Kamiya, right? He's the he's the yeah, lead? I think so. Yeah, maybe maybe he just, like... And this is, like, totally without playing it and just making an assumption, but maybe it's the case of, like, there's no one around to tell him no, so he's just maybe. going overboard. But it didn't even yeah. feel overboard. It just didn't feel good. Like, it just... It wasn't enough. Like, there are a hmm. few times... At, like, at the end of every level... Bayonetta rips her own heart out and summons a giant demon, which fights another giant monster thing. It of happens course, of course. at the end of every level. If that was ever an option, why didn't she do it sooner? Like, why did I play the whole level? Like, what was the point of any of it? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, for I, I like, feel like you can ask questions like that when you're playing a game like Bayonetta. Out, and she acts like it's this last resort thing, but you do it every single level to no consequences at all. And, like, it's always after letting the Bayonetta of that universe die. Like, why? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make I feel- any sense. And and it's not just that it doesn't make sense. It's not cool anymore after you do it five times. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, Donkey's review said, like, the combat is still just, like, the combat's unmatched. It's still, it, it's still, like, the best part of the game. It's, it's the just, best Whenever it's not the combat, like, it just drags. The game needs to be more about the combat. Yeah, because there's what also, I take away from it, it felt like... None of the encounters 
felt very long. Like maybe I w- I, w- I need to play it on a higher difficulty. Granted. How long did it take to you to beat the game? I have no idea. Less than ten hours, I think. Okay. It was yeah. it was fairly short, but like these games are fairly short. You know, thirteen hours would be long for a, a game of this type. I think to, for a first playthrough, but yeah. like none of the encounters felt long enough for me to build up combos the way that I could in Devil May Cry or like I don't know it just it, it wasn't even like I was breezing through them because I was getting hit and stuff I wasn't playing perfectly I was getting hurt I never lost I don't think but I had to use health items a few times and I just I don't know it I don't know the combat just didn't feel as well designed as I expected from an enemy perspective. As far as your moveset and everything, I was I was having an incredible time. I think the problem is how powerful the demon slaves are. If you're just using the demon slaves, you're going to clear combat very quickly because they yeah, do it's, a ton it, of damage. It's interesting hearing you talk about like demon slaves and different weapons and stuff. And this is coming from the perspective of someone who's only like maybe a couple hours in the Bayonetta 1, right? The combat for, for me is still very... It's not at that level yet, right? Like there's a right. lot of intricacy in like the different combos you can do just like melee attacks and stuff like but i haven't really i've found like temporary weapons and stuff like that but like yeah i don't think yeah the mechanics haven't escalated to that point yet so yeah and i'm kind of curious they, to see they that don't yeah. really in bayonetta one i think it's kind of bayonetta two where it really takes yeah off. but yeah but then okay so all the all the time you're playing is bayonetta the combat's amazing you have all these weapons to choose from you have all these options but you spend maybe a quarter of the game not playing as Bayonetta. Uh, you play as Viola. Right. Aren't there like uh, 2D sections or something? Yeah, those are those are so bad I don't even know if I want to talk about them. They're just so boring. I was like, there's like a five minute cutscene at the start of every one of those levels that's oh, almost man. identical to the cutscene from the level before it. Like, <laughs> oh man. It's so boring. I got, yeah, I would get up and walk away from the screen while the cutscene played because I, I didn't see it. You can't it. skip it? I don't remember if you could skip it or not, but I needed to get up and get water. Yeah, but it was just so bad. Yeah, th- that's when you play as Jean, and those they're irredeemably boring. Like, I don't see why they're in the game. They're not even stealth sections. Like, they're marketed as stealth sections, but they're they're just not. It's just like a bad platformer, kinda like a bad two D platformer. It's so, and they're not very long, so they're not they're not too bad. But they're really boring when you have to do them. And also, the part of the story that that is related to that is the stupidest part of the story. So it's bad. But Viola is the is the offensive one. Viola is the other character you play as. So you play as three characters. Yeah, Viola is like gameplay wise very similar to Bayonetta, but her move set is different. She um her equivalent of Demon Slave is called Cheshire, is Cheshire, and you don't control Cheshire. It's a giant cat thing, and when you let Cheshire out, he controls himself, but you don't have your sword, so you have like a different move set, and you're punching. But when you don't have Cheshire out, you have a sword and you're fighting with that. And it's fine. But I always felt on my heels when I was playing as Viola, which I think was partially on purpose because she is canonically like way weaker than Bayonetta. And like, you know, kind of a dorky kid situation, like really looks up to Bayonetta and John and like trying to keep up with them and everything. But that doesn't change the fact that I like just wasn't really having a good time playing as her. I think the most egregious thing Bayonetta dodges to trigger witch time, which is a really right. important mechanic. But with uh, it's more of a pair. And, and notably, if you miss the witch time with Bayonetta, you still dodge. You did not get right. punished for trying. I was just gonna say that's probably my favorite mechanic in Bayonetta one. Yeah, and it feels really cool. satisfying. It's really yeah. fun. There's not, you know, that's something. There's nothing like it in Devil May Cry, really. 
Viola, alternatively, has to basically parry, which means when you fail, you get hit. The timing for it is, like, pretty tight. Well, the timing for it to trigger witch time is not very tight, but sometimes you'll trigger witch time and it lasts less than a second. You can't even get a hit off because the animation for your parry doesn't finish. And then, like, what was the point? Like, the screen just turns purple for no reason. And then, like, a lot of the time, like, you'll be trying to land these parries, but, like, it just, you, you miss it, you get hit, you just take damage. And, like, taking damage in these games is not very fun, especially when you're, like, kind of good at them and, like, can realistically clear a combat without taking any damage as Bayonetta. And then you have to play as this character that you cannot do that with. It's not very fun. And Viola is, like, very clearly the analog to Nero in Devil May Cry 5. And Nero plays, like, a weaker version of Dante, but Nero's version of weaker is that his moveset is much simpler. He doesn't have multiple weapons, he doesn't have all these options and stuff, but mechanically, he's almost identical to Dante. So, all of the skills transfer over. Whereas Viola, and also you start as Nero in Devil May Cry 5, and then work your way up to Dante. Whereas in Bayonetta, you start as Bayonetta, and then you end up halfway through the game, you have to play as Viola for a bit, and you just feel like you got nerfed all of a sudden, and it's not right. really fun. And she's not, she's not the worst. Like, you could get good as her. It's just I didn't. I had played as Bayonetta for five hours, and I kind of wanted to keep doing that. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe for Bayonetta 4, they should just, like, hone in on what makes Bayonetta Bayonetta rather than try to add, like, all sorts of bells and whistles. I'm glad you mentioned that, because now we bring ourselves to the ending. I don't see how they're going to have a Bayonetta 4 after the ending of this game. Oh, come on. You know they'll figure a a way out. Maybe, but the ending of this game is... So, uh, we... You can spoil it. I don't care. No, I'm not going to spoil it, but Mike brought up a... Because it's actually really good for a bit, and then it turns really, really, really bad. But it's extremely (laughs) hype for a minute there, and I don't want to spoil that for you if you get to it. Okay. But um, Mike brought up a Polygon article that mentions, like, how the ending of Bayonetta 3 really, really weakens Bayonetta as a character. And I was playing it, and I was, like, getting up there, and I was like, this game's wrapping up, and I don't see what they're talking about. Like, yeah, Luca played a more important role in this game than he typically does, but he didn't do anything that bad. But then the very end of the game comes, and like, yeah, they they portray a lot of characters as being as strong as Bayonetta, kind of, in a way that really, really sucks, and like, people are saving her, and that sucks. Like, it maybe could have been done well, but it was not. It really, really sucks. It's such a bad ending. And I was like, like, I went, in the course of five minutes, I went from, like, getting up and yelling about how cool it was, like, some some of the things that had happened, and then sitting down and being like, really? That's all, you, you like, you took all that goodwill and just flushed it down a toilet with this Dang. atrocious, like, last five minutes of this game. Oh, and then there's, like, a weird... Like, I beat the game. It was late. Like, it was, like, midnight or something, and I was finishing this game, and I had work the next day. And I was kind of frustrated because I just wanted it to end because it had been it was being really bad. And then I beat it, and then the credits rolled. And then there's a post-credits boss fight that they make you fight as Post-credits boss fight. Wow. Yeah, and it's just really easy, and I don't know why it's even there because it wasn't fun. And then the game ends, and it's like, all right. I'm going to go play Devil May Cry 5 again. <laughs> yeah. Like, this game is yeah, really hurt by its weird. writing. I honestly, like... The really hype parts at the end of the game are kind of worth sitting through all the cutscenes for, probably. But all every cutscene in this game, except one, is really bad. 
all of the dialogue is really bad. Every line of dialogue in this game is atrocious. There's not a single exception. So just to talk about the cutscenes for a second. So in, even in Bayonetta 1, I find myself thinking that the cutscenes go on for too long. Like, I enjoy them, right? Like, they're they're yeah. absurd or whatever. But I'm like, all right, this has been going on for way too long. And I just kind of want to play the game. Can it you please stop? Problem, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's actually a really, really long time before you get to pick up the controller in this game. Like, I, I want to say almost 20 Yeah, I don't minutes. like that. Yeah, there's like... 20 minutes i mean it'd be one thing if the if the story was like really compelling but like you can only take so much absurdity before you're like all right can i please just like hit things now i actually wasn't that mad though like the opening of this game was not bad the like the first hour the writing was fine i mean it was bayonetta i hate enzo uh i think you've met enzo he's like the uh the italian dude who's like just kind of a sleazeball Oh yeah. yeah yeah he's he's in the beginning of the game yeah, right he's a bayonetta one yeah and he's in this one and he's annoying again but, I don't know, Bayonetta does some really cool stuff in the opening. I do think she's very laissez-faire about the world ending around her, which is strange. But, whatever. I don't know. It's it's just a weird... Uh, the first hour, the cutscenes are fine. But it, it gets mm, bad very quickly after that. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the beginning of Bayonetta 1, like, made an insane, like... It oh, was yeah. just such an absurd thing to have happen. Like, you're in this graveyard, this helping this fat dude out, like Enzo, you know, right? And, like, Fly Me to the Moon, like a cover of Fly Me to the Moon by Frank Sinatra starts playing, and, and you're you just, see, like, like, killing these grave. demons. <laughs> and it's just like, what? what is happening? Like, it's just so, just uh, it's, it's, so it's absurd. It's an absurd yeah. game. I definitely think... Bayonetta 3 is the gameplay peak of the series, but I think for most things, Bayonetta 2 is better. Like, story yeah, the, the, and bombast and everything. And, like, aesthetic. Yeah. Bayonetta 2 is a pretty game. Bayonetta 3 is not a pretty game. I, I like Bayonetta's I, design maybe, in 3 the most, out of all of them. Yeah. Well, maybe Bayonetta 1 and 3 are both pretty good. I don't do like you, the Do you feel like they had to make, like, artistic slash visual compromises because of hardware limitations? I... I can't tell. It's it's a weird game because like it's a multiverse game. Like you're going around the multiverse, but they don't do anything that fun with it. Like because all you do is go to cities that exist on Earth. Like you go to Cairo, you go to Paris, you go to China. Like China, but like a different universe is yeah. China. Yeah, but it doesn't. Uh, yeah, like it's an ancient China that you go to, which is like fine, I guess. But, like, the Bayonetta in ancient China has a train weapon for some reason. And, like, I don't really think of China and trains a whole lot, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking with a lot of it. And, like... There were trains in ancient China? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I... It's just weird. And I don't, like... Ancient China is the lava level, too, for some reason. And it does a lot of that. It had to have a desert level. It had to have a lava level. It had to... And like, yeah, Devil May Cry Five takes takes place exclusively in a city that is being overrun by demons, but like, it's gorgeous, and it's gorgeous on pretty bad hardware if it needs to be. So, there's just not really an excuse for this game's visuals being kind of boring. The, the, that said, the enemy design, the bayonetta designs are very fun and good. It's just the environment design is pretty lackluster. Yeah, I mean, just the vibe I get is, like, maybe over-ambitious. It just feels like a PS2 to game, like, kind of. Which is yeah. fine, because, like, you know, Devil May Cry 3 was a PS2 game, and it's, like, amazing. But, and that's, you know, where all of this really, really started was Devil May Cry 3. But I just feel like they, 
They should have done better than Bayonetta 2. It, it was disappointing yeah. to me because, like, it was like Devil May Cry 4 was an ugly game, but it played pretty well, but it had camera issues. And then Bayonetta came out, and Bayonetta was a pretty good-looking game for the time. It was fine, and it didn't have the camera issues, and it played just as well. And then Bayonetta 2 came out, and it's a pretty game, and it plays better than Bayonetta 1. And then Devil May Cry 5 comes out, and it's a gorgeous game, and it plays better than Bayonetta 2. And then Bayonetta 3 comes out, and it looks worse than Bayonetta 2, but yeah. and doesn't play as well as Devil May Cry 5. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I guess Team Little Devils is taking the lead, They I just guess. got ahead, yeah. And granted, they're working on the RE engine, which is amazing, and, you know, that probably helps them a lot graphically, but... It's just a little disappointing. It's still like a 7 or an 8 out of 10. It's still a very good game that I would recommend to anybody who likes... Well, you kind of have to like Bayonetta or Devil May Cry, because there aren't really any other games like this. Right, yeah. I guess Old God of War was kind of like this, but I really don't think it was... Not to this level, no. (laughs) Yeah. I think really those are the two franchises that do this, and if you like them, you're gonna like this game. It's just... God, why couldn't they hire writers (laughs) that could do anything? Like... They could have phoned it in and done better. It like feels like they didn't even phone it in. <laughs> they just, yeah, that's very bad. But good game. Well, still yeah. a good game. I will, <laughs> good, good I game. will almost yeah. certainly replay this game for the mechanics, like or at least replay the yeah. Bayonetta levels. Okay, uh, Mike, what do you got for us? All right, the other game I recently picked up that launched in the last month was uh, Overwatch Two. Ah, uh, I, I didn't I pl- think I'd enjoy it, but you know it. It's been doing quite well. Like good. I, I mentioned that, earlier that none of my friends are playing Modern Warfare Two. They're all playing Overwatch Two. Really? Like every yeah. Like I, and I tried it. I just I don't know. But I have yeah, one go ahead. Friend really yeah. trying to the, sell me on it, and I'm just not interested at all. The five v five actually makes it better. That's what I've heard. It's much more fun to play DPS now that I don't have to worry about shield tanks. I was so, going to watch a Northern Lion play it. He played it for like a week. He got <laughs> yeah, paid too. And he, clearly, he clearly did not care at all, but he was like having to pretend he did. <laughs> I, I wonder like, you guys remember like people were eviscerating the beta. Like what changed between that and the launch of the game, right? Because like, it seems like people are enjoying the game, right? Yeah. Like mostly. I, I think what happened was, uh, I guess we just kind of got used to it. Like I didn't, <laughs> just, I didn't think I'd like it. it. Yeah, the changes. Like yeah, but the monetization's garbage. Absolute garbage monetization scheme. It takes forever to earn anything, and skins are actually really expensive for what they are. So, as someone who doesn't care about skins or any of that, like none of that stuff really bothers me. I did try like jumping in as one of the new heroes, like uh, the ninja girl. I forget her name. Do you remember Here her name? Go. Kiriko, yeah. I, I was playing as Kiriko. And she's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just that, like, I don't know. I feel like unless you play with friends, like, it's just kind of, like, an annoying experience. But I don't know. Like, uh, I, I played, like, a couple matches. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I want to play this right now. But it just seemed like more Overwatch with, with new yeah. champions. Yeah. I just never liked Overwatch 1. So I couldn't, I can't imagine I would like Overwatch 2. Because it's just, it's not even a new game. It, they just took a a character a player out of each team that's i feel like that's what made it it needed yeah it did need that player to get pulled out but i wasn't like i i didn't you know i played overwatch i played it for probably 10 or 15 hours or something because it it does have good game feel like very good game feel oh yeah the game feels absolutely it's a master class in game feel i think it and call of duty 
two two games I do not care for, but I think they are both the best feeling first person shooters that exist. And uh that's high praise. Uh but yeah. I also think they're extremely boring after like a couple hours. But yeah, Mike, so so you're enjoying Overwatch too, oh, right? Yeah. I yeah. played it for six hours on stream recently. And the stream. entire time I was having a good a great time. Yeah, that's good. It's hard to be a healer though. I mean, with the lack of a second tank to protect the healers, it's much harder to actually heal. So do you play like support usually? No, I'm a DPS player. DPS? I, yeah. I feast on supports. You, <laughs> you feast? I was feasting. Because <laughs> no one protects their supports anymore. So what am I supposed to do? Not kill the supports? Yeah, I mean, in, game, in, in games like this, you know, like w- with positional kind of play, like uh, I usually like to go support. I just sort of like that role. In a team setting, like I do that in League of Legends on the rare occasion I play League of Legends too, yeah. but uh, it's it's not easy, right? Because you can't yeah. really kill. <laughs> I mean, you can, but it's harder. Yeah, your kill capacity is a support. I mean, there's some supports that are really good at throwing uh throwing damage out. I, I will say it did feel really good when you got kills as Kiriko because her oh. her quote unquote gun is just her throwing knives, right? So you have to like. Like, each knife you throw, like, you can aim where it goes, right? And obviously, like, if you do headshots with a knife, it, it crits and stuff. And it it feels really good to do that, but it's very difficult to do. It's, like, much harder yeah. than just, you know, aiming a gun and shooting. It is a... I've said everything I want to say about, like, Overwatch 1. I think on the podcast before at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I used to fiend Overwatch back in back in the day. Like when we were still recording. Were we recording at that time? We've been recording since 2017. Yeah, it's... <laughs> half it's, decade. It's been like half a decade. I might have been playing Overwatch back then. I don't remember. So so is that feeling back now, though? Oh, the feeling of actually being good at a game is back. That does feel good. Yeah, I, I really do enjoy the game. And I'm kind of glad that it exists. And Blizzard just had to release a second game to fix all the issues with game one. So, like, I have a bunch of friends on PlayStation and whatnot playing this game, and I almost feel like I've missed the boat, right? Because I feel like their their level of, like, understanding of, like, what each hero does and, like, just their skill at the game is now so much higher that, like, if I tried to jump in, I would just easily yeah. just be an anchor. So, there's a lot that goes into, like, learning hero shooters, I feel like. Yeah. You know, like... Oh, yeah. Because I, I feel the same way when I, like, sometimes I watch, like, Professional League of Legends, because I do find it entertaining to watch. But, like, to fully comprehend what's going on, you have to know everyone's, like, you know, what e- what each champion's skill does, like, what their passives are, what items they have, and what those items do. It's just, like, there's a lot of prerequisites before you can fully, like, appreciate the game. It's, like, a high barrier to entry, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, hero shooters take a lot to understand. And... Because, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I realize that, like, Everyone on the opposing team has like a gun and will shoot me, but I don't know what their abilities do. You know, like I don't know what like yeah that so like like obviously no. I remembered some like I remembered Hanzo from the first game, right? Like the that that's right the bow the bow guy Hanzo. Is that yeah that's that's Hanzo. And then like McCree and stuff like that. So I remembered like the old ones, but like anytime there was like a newer one, and even like the 
DLC characters for, for Overwatch 1 I'm not familiar with. Because I only played Overwatch 1, like, when it first came out. I was just like, yeah, I don't know what any of you do. Like, it's just so much information oh, I need yeah. to, like, be aware of to fully know what's going on in this game. Yeah, but, it's... yeah, that being said, I'm glad it seems like I'm, I'm just people are enjoying it. it. Yeah. You got anything else? Yeah, I have nothing else about it. I'm okay. really glad it's a good game. Sweet. Connor, do you have anything else? I do. I, uh, I, it's a game I've talked about a bunch because I, I, I've played it a lot. Uh, but it was mainly, uh, it's Sea of Thieves. And uh, I've talked about it a few times on the podcast with a, a couple different reviews, I feel like. Because when I first played it, I didn't like it that much. And then we played some of the story content that it has. And, uh, that was all pretty fun. Kinda. It was at least interesting. Although the writing is pretty bad. But recently we were playing Sea of Thieves uh, because me and my friends like to play it. It's almost like just something to have on in the background while we talk and stuff. And it's very good for that. It's always been very good for that. But I, we got attacked by other players and we got sunk a few too many times. And I said, all right, guys, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get sweaty at this game. We are not sinking <laughs> anymore. And uh, while that has Getting not really been true yet. Sea of Thieves of all things. I will say Sea of Thieves is an extremely fun game to get sweaty at. We've been playing it wrong all these years. Like, this is, this game, like, avoiding PvP is genuinely the wrong way to play this game. It is so much fun to go sink other people in this game. It's so funny. Yeah. And, like, just the variety of mechanics you can use. Like, I, I was talking to a guy the other, because it's, it's hot mics, you can talk to anybody. And I was, I, uh, I went to go attack a guy the other day and he said, no, 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 don't attack me because we were both on sloops and I was with one of my friends and he was alone and he said, there's a, there's a galleon parked at a, at a world event that's going on not that far from here. I see you've got a rowboat. We can grab some explosive kegs, toss them in the rowboat and we'll row over there so we don't even have a ship to lose and we're going to sink their ship and then we'll sail over and collect the stuff. They don't even have anything to shoot at because we're not taking our ship. And I was like, that's a really good idea. We're going to do that. That's so cool that you can even do that. And I, yeah, no. And this, this is, it's like, a, it's like an open PvPVE sandbox game. And I'd just been ignoring this entire half of the game. And we're rowing over there. And I talked to him. I was like, yeah, I've never done this before. And he says, oh, really? I've spent probably more time in rowboats than I have on my ship. Because <laughs> he's doing this stuff. You can just <laughs> swim too. You don't even have to have a rowboat, but it takes a really long time. It took us five minutes probably to row over, which is annoying, but at least I had somebody that you know a stranger to talk to yeah maybe i just need that like someone to show me the ropes for sea of thieves because i remember uh, trying it with some friends like i told this story on the podcast before i tried it like we got hopped on a boat the boat got stuck between some rocks we couldn't figure out what to do and we just quit <laughs> yeah that happens occasionally but no I, I really like it i've been um i still play with my friend wit a lot but i've been solo slooping too and like i, I you just sink a lot when you're solo slooping you're alone you have to do everything yourself it's very difficult but sometimes there are just glorious moments. Like I bumped into, they, they were probably like 16 or 17. And it was a group of like two sloops that were in an alliance. But they seemed to know each other because they all they all had the same like way of talking. And that way of talking was slinging slurs a lot. And uh. I was like, nope, I don't like these kids. So I I ended up, obviously my ship sunk. But it didn't matter. You don't die when your ship sinks. They have to kill you after that. And they couldn't do it. They were all not amazing at, like, sword combat and gun combat. Mm. And I actually, like, I camped them out 
and without cannons, you can light a ship on fire, but it takes forever to sink that way. But I just camped them out. Four people, I camped them out while both ships sunk by myself without dying. And that felt so glorious to do. It's really toxic to do stuff like that if you don't even have a ship to fight. But, like, they were, you know, slinging hard R's, so I didn't feel bad at mm. all. I I felt like a god. <laughs> yeah. Connor getting a god complex from Sea of Thieves. And then another time, and this one I don't feel near, I don't feel as good about, but it was like kind of glorious. I got into an over two hour long ship battle. It was just me on a sloop, which is the smallest ship and pretty much the only one you can reasonably do by yourself against a ga- uh, a brigantine, which had three kids on it. And the kids were, they sounded like 13, something like that. And uh, these kids were actually like, like they were getting mad at me and stuff for, for how long the fight was going, but they were actually really good sports. Like, because when you die, you go to the Ferry of the Damned and everybody goes to the same one. So you can like talk while you're dead. And I was like telling them that they were doing really good. And they were like telling me how insane I was at the game was like, I'm, I'm getting decent at it now. Like I, I could have these three kids all trying to attack me with like swords and guns and I'm going to beat them, but I'm still kind of not amazing at like ship positioning and stuff which is why i didn't end up winning this fight at the end of the two hours i like had them almost sunk like a bunch of times but my i would board them and my ship would float away because i don't i'm not very good at positioning but it was just incredible i did end up losing that one but that just getting into a fight with three people a 1v3 that went on for two hours (laughs) that's crazy and and it's like moving the entire time we went around the entire map probably (laughs) Like, sounds epic it was yeah no i had to like i had to board them drop their anchor and then try to get to an outpost because i'd run out of cannonballs and i had to like park buy cannonballs and then turn around and get back into the fight like it was nuts and i was you know skimming i was boarding them and skimming their resources a bunch because i was much better at the boarding combat than the ship combat yeah and stuff like that and i'm just having a maybe i need a time. maybe i need to play this game with you it's maybe after god of war or something yeah for sure yeah figure on. it out because uh, this sounds like a blast if, if i can figure out how to do this stuff this it's extremely fun cool. and what i like about it i was thinking about this while you guys were talking about overwatch because overwatch has a lot of complexity to it and i feel like kind of a low or a really high skill floor but sea of thieves it has four weapons it has a blunderbuss a pistol an eye of reach, which is like a sniper rifle and a sword. But like all of the guns can only shoot once before they have to reload and can only shoot five times before you have to go get more ammo. So like you're very limited on that. And then your sword, you don't even have to have a sword. You could have two guns, but you can only have two weapons. And then there are like some throwables. But like the the base mechanics of this game are extremely simple. But then there's just a sandbox built around it where you can do insane stuff. The other day I was playing and I alone, I snuck aboard a galleon, which is the biggest ship and it had four players on it. And I just hid on their lower deck and I hid there for like a while waiting for them to like accumulate some treasure so I could sink them and take it. Yeah. And you're just hoping that they make a mistake, like put an explosive keg or something on their ship and you can grab that explosive keg, blow it, and then you spawn camp them while the ship sinks, which kind of sounds more toxic than it is that's just kind of how the game is played you know that you have to spawn camp like super toxic <laughs> you have to spawn camp to be good players otherwise it's just not going to happen because you can repair a ship faster than it sinks so the only way to really stop them is to get aboard and kill them before they can do the repairs which turns out but it's a galleon 
So there's a bunch, it's a big ship. There's a lot of places they can spawn. So spawn camping is not easy. And there's four of them. And there was one of me. So spawn camping is not easy. Yeah, you're just hunting them. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's more of a hunt than a camp. And like the ships are designed pretty well. They're like, they're kind of like a microcosm of an FPS map. Like there's a lot of movement stuff you can do around the ships. That's interesting. Even the tiny ones, the sloops. It's, it's, it's genuinely like, I've given very lukewarm reviews to Sea of Thieves in the past because I was only doing the PvE content. Once you're actually fighting other players, this game's actually kind of nuts. It's really fun. <laughs> but it's, yeah, that's it's all, I mean, like, it's just a... It's hard sorry. to get started. Like, yeah, I was just going to say, it's just been improving, too, like, over the over time, right? Like, Rare has been... Kind of. I mean, this is, this is Rare's destiny, right? So... It's kind of been improving, arguably. Uh, I don't really care for the direction the game's been going lately, which is like, oh, okay. all they've been adding are like ad- quote unquote adventures, which are PVE content that is only available for two weeks, I think, and then it goes away. What? Yeah. Like, does it come back ever? It does not come back ever. That sounds like a colossal, like, yeah. development waste. Well, it's also, they're not that good <laughs> either. So. But the next season is supposed to have a focus on PvP, which is going to be very interesting. And the current adventure has kind of a focus of PvP. There's like six forts around the map, and the adventure is to claim them for either uh, Pendragon, which is the good guy, or Flameheart, which is the bad guy. And the writing involved in all this is pretty bad, but that's a fun idea. The problem is, I think six forts is too many, because there are only five ships possible on a server, which means realistically the odds of two people being at the same fort at any time are pretty low i've never seen it happen and i've been you know just hopping on and conquering forts i run into other ships in between the forts and fight them but i've never run into a ship at a fort a single time and i've never oh we did get rolled up on at a fort one time and i i don't know what the guy's plan was because he was that ship was underwater in seconds like we did not even oh you just like annihilated him oh my god it was he like he like I think there might have been two of them. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if there was ever anybody on the ship. He like fired himself out of a cannon, which you can do and is extremely fun. And uh he fired himself onto the fort and I was like, "Hey, wait, there's somebody on the fort. You need to watch out for that. I'm going to sink the ship." And then I shot the ship like five times and then I got on his ship and I made sure that I steer like steered it away so that it couldn't hit ours. And I just I think Wit Wit killed him on the fort. And then I killed him when he respawned on the boat and we just waited for his boat to Wrecked. sink. And I, I know I was literally like, I wasn't trying to be toxic, but I was like, what was your plan? Because <laughs> 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 he was like texting in the chat like, you guys suck. And I'm like, what do you mean we suck? <laughs> like, like, do you mean we're mean? Because, okay, maybe. But like, if, we, if you're yeah. saying we're bad at the game, like, that's just objectively false. Getting sweaty in Sea of Thieves. Now I've seen it all. It's definitely it's a it's a game that has a high sweat potential. I would say. Well, like, it doesn't end like if you really think about it, every game can be turned into that, right? No, but like, like you can really sweat in video games. There if you aren't a lot to. of games that encourage you to get into a one v four, and in the way that Sea of Thieves does. Mm. But like Sea of Thieves has specific like when you're a solo on a sloop, you respawn a little faster than other people do. Stuff like that, yeah. like. It's very clearly, like, you are at a humongous disadvantage if you are on a sloop fighting a galleon. But it is winnable. Like, it, like skill level's equal, you're going to lose that fight. But if you're really good at a sloop, you can solo a galleon. 
I've not done it yet. I've only done a brig, but the fact that it's like possible that that there's been thought put into it at all is amazing. That's it's, cool. It's super fun. Yeah, that's it's <laughs> probably what I'm going to do when I get off the podcast is play more nice. Sea Play more more of it. Yeah, cuz it's just it's just so fun to just hop on and sail around and try to find people. And uh like just the the like the alliances that form. Like we rolled up uh, one of our first PVPs when we were still trying to get good at it, we we sailed up and we saw a sloop fighting a galleon, and we I just because it's open mics I just shouted like Hey, we're gonna team up with you against the galleon, and it was two sloops against a galleon, which is actually a pretty fair fight, and we sunk them, and then they came back and they sunk us, and then we <laughs> came back and we sunk them, and it was like three or four rounds of that, us fighting over this treasure, and. uh I don't think we ended up getting the treasure that night. I can't remember, but it, it was just very fun. And that's also like when you're playing the PvE, all you're thinking about is the treasure and like the numbers going up. And I genuinely don't even care about it anymore because most of the cosmetics in this game are hideous anyway. And that's pretty much the yeah. only thing you can buy with gold. So I don't really care. It, right. it does have a problem that there's nothing to spend your money on. Most of the cosmetics do not look very good, but it's weird because it, I think I've said this in the other times I've talked about it. I think the environments in this game are gorgeous. The water is like beautiful. The ships look good. And there's some of the ship cosmetics are good. But every character in this game is hideous. <laughs> like every human being, really bad. <laughs> Which is, you know, they're pirates, it's supposed to be. Right, yeah. But yeah, I, I highly, if you have Game Pass, I highly recommend this game. I still, I think it's like a six, it's 40 or $60. And I still have a hard time with that price point for this game, I think. But if you have Game Pass, it's very much worth checking out. Right on. Yeah. All right. So I selfishly want to be last. So, Mike, do you have anything else? Uh, I could talk about Minecraft again, because I downloaded another mod pack. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The the yeah. one where you got radiation poisoning. Yeah, the one where I just got radiation poisoning. Wasn't that in Eternals? No. I downloaded Enigmatica 6, which is a little less of a beefy mod pack and more kind of focused okay I like. and that. i've been having a lot of fun with it yeah i've never heard of it. i i of course bought another server but that's just because i wanted to play it with people not because i couldn't run the mod pack yeah but i'm i've been having fun with it it has a bunch of mods that i've never actually used before yeah so that's in addition to in a sorry i was just gonna say in addition to radiation poisoning what else is there uh, there's a mod that adds rotational force and gears and cogs to utilize it. Like, I made a big old gantry door. Oh, that's fun. So it's not, it's not create mod? That, it is create. Oh, it is create. Okay. Yeah, it is create. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of, um, Minecraft YouTube stuff. It's like Saturday morning cartoon stuff for me, kinda. But, yeah. um, I watched The Chosen Architect, I think. Or is it just Chosen Architect? But anyway, he plays a lot of mod packs, and I... I just get kind of bored with it because all the mod packs have the same handful of mods in them. It feels like yeah. Enigmatic had doesn't have AE two in it, which is bizarre. Oh, but I think it's because they decided not to use AE two. Yeah, the emission kind of because that's one that's in like everything. Yeah, AE two is in everything. Like I actually went down mechanism, and usually I don't. Yeah, but they nerfed certain bits of mechanism to force me to go down deeper into the mod pack. I keep saying I'm going to start Vault Hunters, but it's just. You have to play so long before you get into the actual Vault Hunters part of the game. Like, you have to beat Minecraft before you get to play any Vault Hunters. You have to, like, get full diamond armor and go to the end and everything. I think they actually, Pat, the newest wow. update, you don't have to beat the end dragon anymore, but still. 
Yeah, Enigmatica also add, get, doesn't have Biomes of Plenty in it. I think Industrial Craft's not in it. Interesting. Not having Biomes of Plenty, I actually... It has bi- the little Biomes you'll go instead. Is it 1.18? Uh, 1.16. Ah, see, I'm 1. not playing 16. anything pre 1.18 anymore. Especially Vault Hunters just patched a 1.18, and the the new terrain, the tall, you know, the the better caves and everything are just so good. I can't stand to go back. Anymore. I mean, this one, this it feels really good. Yeah, and biomes you'll go changes the biomes up so they're actually entertaining to look at. Mm, that's good. Like, sure, there's no just under caves, job, but I mean, like, yeah, it's fine. The deep dark. I think there is an Enigmatica version that is on 1.18, but it's more in-dev than 6s. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're actively developing, I think, 2, 6, and 9, or 10. Yeah, Vault Hunter's literally just, like, like earlier this week, I think. Man, yeah. No, probably last week, because it's, like, Tuesday. Got patched to 1.18, and I'm kind of excited for that. It's just nice to have an actual dev team behind a mod pack instead of, like, one guy throwing a bunch of mods together. That's how Vault Hunters is, too. Because Vault Hunters has a lot of, like, Vault Hunter specific mods. But, yeah, like, yeah. I I don't know Enigmatica, but I know that it's really cool in Vault Hunters. Yeah, Enigmatica has, I think, a dedicated dev team. That's cool. Because they are developing, like, three mod packs at the same time. Are they, like, on Patreon or something? How are they making money? I don't know. They gotta be on Patreon. Everybody's on Patreon. Maybe. I think they're making money through server deals, maybe. That's uh, what a lot of yeah. mod packs do. They that just advertise Bisect hosting, and it's like, use the promo code. It's just a lot we of work. We get commissions. Yeah. yeah. I've been thinking about jumping back into Minecraft because I've been kind of overdoing it on Sea of Thieves. <laughs> yeah, Enigmatica's a stellar mod pack. They nerfed everything that I usually go to in my mod pack run, so I've had to use other things. Yeah, and that's awesome. Get creative. Yeah. Yeah. I need the create mod. I still need to dive into the create mod more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can have an interesting Minecraft playthrough with just the create mod. Oh, yeah. It does a lot. I think I finished up Mechanism because I just got the mech suit. Nice. And it's gotten to the point where I'm just ripping chunks out of the world. Yeah. So. Is that going to do it for Minecraft? Yeah, that's going to do it for Minecraft. All right. So I guess I will round us off here. So, as we all know, God of War Ragnarok comes out tomorrow, right? And I expect this to be a game where I'm going to eat, sleep, and breathe this game, right? It's going to be all that's on my mind. When I'm not playing it, I'm going to be playing it. Or, sorry, no. When I'm not playing it... <laughs> You're going to be thinking It's been a long it. day. Yeah. When I'm not playing it, I'm going to be thinking about it, right? And it's it's rare for a game to do that, but it feels so good when a game does that. Elden Ring did that to me earlier this year. Yeah. So, imagine my surprise a week before Ragnarok, where another game did that exact same thing to me. Where even now, having finished it, Last night, I was up to like 2 a.m. I am still thinking about it today. And this game is Outer Wilds. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it, it is, the most incredible game? <laughs> it is a inexplicably special game. Yeah, I, I, ending, can't, I can't. The song, the oh, it's. I can't. I can't stress that enough. Um, it's so so. It. I didn't overhype it at all, did I? I don't think you did. So like, it was. It's one of those weird things, right? Where like. The more I, like, I already loved it when I played it and beat it, right? Like, granted, I did get frustrated in a couple sections, because some of, like, the the puzzles get obtuse. One of the the puzzle where you have to, like, stand on the pad while the the thing goes. That that broke me. That that actually broke. I 
I had to look. That was the only thing I looked Me up too. in the entire I hated game. That yeah, I, I think it, I, I mentioned that when I first talked about the game that that is like the flaw that keeps it from being perfect. Like that one puzzle, and they they've even made it easier than it used to be. They've made the window better now. Yeah, I just didn't. I just yeah. didn't know. Like, uh, but 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 that being said, right? Like, like this game is. It's something where, like, it's so much more than the sum of its parts, right? And, yeah. like, just reflecting on it, like, I beat it last night, and that's, like, all I've been really thinking about today. Like, it's, it's such a, it's, it's such an achievement, right? Because a lot of games, and I've mentioned this before, like, my favorite, one of my favorite things to do in games is the sense of exploration, right? The thing that Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild And that's nailed, all Outer Wilds right? is. It's that's, just... Yeah, Exactly. Outer Wilds is pure exploration. That is the entire game, right? And I didn't really know that going in. I was just like, okay, maybe I'm going to get an upgrade later that lets me, like, go through Ghost Matter or something like that. Nope. No, there are no upgrades Everything, you start the game with, with everything you have to finish the game, right? So, And I think that presumably, that's amazing in and of itself. Like, and, and, and it's just like a beauty design-wise, too, right? Because you could start the game... And end the game within, like, ten minutes if you knew what you were doing, right? Yeah. But, you know, like, it's all about context, right? Figuring out why the solar system is the way it is, right? That is what takes you 20-plus hours, right? Like, just slowly unraveling this this haunting mystery, right? Like, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but so if you're averse to spoilers, maybe just skip to the end of this podcast – I'm not going to spoil the end of the game, but I will spoil like some of the mechanics, right? So it's two. It's a three-year-old game. I think you're allowed yeah. now, but yeah. So this game has a 22-minute loop, right? So after 22 minutes, the sun goes supernova, kills you, wipes out the entire solar system, and you wake up 22 minutes earlier, right? And the first time this happened to me. I was actually, like, underground. Did you know right? about the, the time? No, I uh. didn't know. The first time this happened to me, I was underground. I Like, suddenly everything started shaking. I started seeing blue everywhere. <laughs> and then, like, the game just ended. I was like, what happened? <laughs> I was so confused. Yeah. And then, like, I started back there, and I was just like, I was still, like, I was just like, okay, I guess I die, but I don't know what I did to, like, die. Like, what did I cause... Like, what what caused this to happen? But then, luckily, the second time around, I actually saw the sun, you know, yeah. explode. And I was like, okay, this is what's now, happening. And now you know what the, what you're trying to solve. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love that, like, the more you play this game, the more beautiful details you pick up, right? Like, the Hourglass Twins are literally a timer, right? Like, yep. as, soon, as soon as the sand moves from one planet to the other, the, the sun blows up, right? And also, like, I... After a few runs, right, I figured out, okay, the music also starts up, right? Yep. Like, oh, when that, the sun's about to blow up. music is so, like, it's, it's so, so sad. It's yeah, so... like, it's, it's, it, and that's another thing, right? Like, the sense of wonder and exploration in this game is pretty much unmatched. But what makes this unique is that while having those feelings, I also felt dread. Like, I actually felt like an existential dread while playing this game. Yeah. And I don't know if that's, like... Yeah, you felt that too? Well, okay. I I felt the existential dread, but then you also like oh, feel yeah, the yeah, opposite yeah. of that. Like So I so think, here yeah. here here's another really like an incredible like design slash mechanic, right? Cuz like 
before I'd be like out and about doing my thing, I'd make I'd be making these discoveries, right? Because like that's all this game is. This game, the only reward is it's knowledge. It's an archaeology game. It's all, just yeah. All it's you do about is learn. yeah. Un, it's just about putting together another piece of that puzzle before you die and slowly painting the full picture, right? But like, I'd always like feel that sense of fear, right? Like not yet, not yet, please. I'm so close to like doing this one thing, and like I need to get this done, and then like. You know, I'd feel fear, like I'd feel dread, uh, and then the sun would explode. And I kept feeling that until something very specific happened, right? If you go to a particular NPC in this game, you can learn the only thing that basically adds a mechanic to this game is the ability to meditate, right? And the ability to meditate is basically just like you basically go to sleep and wake up in the next loop. And it was such a small thing. But that's that took away the feeling of dread for me. Really? And I think it was because it gave me control of when I chose to die. Yeah. You know, it's it was such a profound like I, I got chills just saying that because like it's it's just a silly little mechanic in a video game. But like it it changed the way you thought about death in that game, at least for me. Right. Like, yeah, now I wasn't afraid anymore. I was I was fine with just exploring because my death was something I could control. I didn't have to wait, like, for the sun to explode to kill me, right? Like, like yeah. obviously, I would still get into accidents and stuff, but, like, I didn't have... I wasn't just waiting to die. I I had the choice, and that eliminated that fear for me. And that was, like, an incredible realization when I realized that, like, oh, I'm not scared anymore because I can, I can meditate when I choose to. And that was, like, that was a really profound realization Did, did you tear me. up at the ending? I, I didn't I, I tear did. up. I yeah. still do every I, time I watch it. I, I, it's one of those things, you know, like the first time I go through a piece of media, I n- almost never like have like I don't want to say never have strong emotions, but like it's difficult for me to tear up because I'm just like absorbing it all. Right. Yeah. If I go back and play it again, I almost certainly will. Right. Did like, you meet um, Solanum? Yes, I did. <laughs> The whole quantum, the quantum moon stuff was my favorite puzzle to solve yeah, the whole thing. I it's, loved it's, that. It's yeah. so good, yeah. No, it, it's probably the best one. And that's the thing, like, I don't really even play puzzle games, right? Like, but this game, like, well, just they, the way it framed, so they like... they don't, they say that there are no puzzles in this game. The design, the developers do. I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, I, there are definitely things I would consider yeah. puzzles, but it's I mean, all, it was just... Yeah, it's all just learning how the world works and using that yeah. to your advantage. There's no, like, and, pushing a block around <laughs> Yeah, I, I watched an interview today where they said, like, the only reward you get for playing this game is knowledge. And, like, they made that no- – and, like, obviously that sort of design philosophy can totally fall apart if, like, your world isn't interesting enough, right? Like, if, if the knowledge you're getting, like, like no one cares about, right? But every scrap of text, every line in this game was so fascinating to me because the premise is just so interesting, Did right? Did you get every line of text? Because I, I went back after I beat it and I got every uh, single, I, yeah. I devoured I, I was game. close, yeah. I was, I mean, I was close when I beat this game, right? Yeah. Like, I think I got almost everything, right? Like, my board was, like, completely filled out and everything. But, um... The, the revelation on the sun station, like, I just felt my heart sink. Like, yeah. And uh, same on the um, the interloper. Oh my god, this game! Yeah, did, did you play and the DLC? I started it right, did so you? I realized it was the DLC, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to come back to this later because I was I was afraid I wasn't going to beat it in time. 
Okay. Right, because I my time limit was Ragnarok. Yeah. I was like, I need to beat this before Ragnarok. Well, did, did you like find? So I stayed up location? late last night playing it. Yeah, I found it, and that was so cool. My yeah, jaw I found hit it. the floor when I first yeah. saw that, <laughs> and I landed on it, and I was it was scary, man. Like yeah. it was a uh, oh yeah, the, the DLC is like light horror the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. but um, it I was just like, this is puzzles that are like intensely anyway. interesting, and I mean to come back to this. And I def- yeah. definitely will come back to Echoes of the Eye, but like yeah. I was just like I need to finish the main game. The main and like game is so- the 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 last like four or five hours was all spent on like two mysteries because like yeah. one was the Ash Twin Project where I was just like I cannot figure. At, at a certain point, I was just like I have to look this up because yeah. I was I was starting to get angry at the game and I didn't want to have negative feelings for this game. I had to look that one, up and too. I was just like I have to look I it hate up. That, Otherwise, but- I'm gonna yeah. But that's, that's because the answer is so obvious, but it doesn't work the first time you do it. And yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I think the other mystery that like I was stuck on was the sun station. Yeah, so yeah. I, I figured that out pretty quickly, though. Like com- in comparison to the uh, the Ashwin project, which I actually had to look up. I will say, you but can, like I uh, I mastered the controls of this game after I beat it. You can land on the sun station. I've done. Oh it. yeah, yeah. I saw that there was an achievement for that. That's crazy. I've done it. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did it on an Xbox too. It wasn't even on my PC because it's a little harder on. Uh, it was on an Xbox One, so the frame rate's a little lower, which makes which does make the flying meaningfully harder. But yeah, like I mean, every planet is like so like it's like seared into my memory, right? Oh, like I these are all like places in that world. These are all like places I've been, you know, like the Adelrock. Discovering is just a place. I I fire up my I have it on my Steam Deck now, and I know I'm not going to play that game, but I love to just go visit my favorite places and let the music play for a minute sometimes because yeah. it's just it's so meaningful to me. Like I can and this, see myself this getting is one of those games tattoo, like. This is one of those games uh, to that point where, like, obviously every game is most impactful when you first play it, like the first time you play it. This game in particular, like, oh yeah, you can't your first this game. your it's first impossible. time through this game is a once in a lifetime experience. I yeah. will say something to that extent, and I don't think that's hyperbole. No, you right, just, like you literally because all you gain is knowledge. So the next time you fire up the game, there's nothing stopping you from just walking to the end of the game. Right, but and like that's... that process of unraveling, figuring out what happened. Like, the ultimately really sad, but, like... And it's also, like, an experience only a cathartic. video game can give you. Because you have to solve yeah. the mystery. And the game trusts you to solve the mystery. Yeah, I mean, like... And it's really in your hands. It, it is absolutely, like, a hands-off. Like, there are no, like, quest markers, missions, yeah. or... Yeah, like, there's nothing like that. You, you have to make markers. all these discoveries yourself. You can you can place the mar- markers yourself, right? Yeah. But nothing's gonna tell you like hint hint like go to this planet. You have to figure all that out, right? Like you, there is a que- there is a journal that gets updated as you make discoveries. You just have to con- keep consulting that journal and figure it out yourself. You know, like the journal is the most help you're gonna get. So just but- as supplemental materials, I highly recommend uh, Jacob Geller's YouTube video on Outer Wilds. Once you've played it, it has some spoilers in it, but his writing on it is just phenomenal. Okay, yeah. If you just want but, to live in that world a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I admit, it's so, like, tough, right? So, okay, so from this point on, like, even if you were listening, and if, if you have a passing interest in this game, and you, I, basically what I'm saying is, I, I'm, I want to talk about the ending. So, okay. um, this, like, is, the, this is the warning for that. Well, I don't care about spoilers. Okay, so... Seriously though, don't listen to this if you haven't played the game. Like, I, I second, I second that. It's very if you have like we're probably not talking you, about anything else. Just turn the podcast off. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's it it the ending was really sad, but also cathartic at the same time. 
it, yeah. to me. And obviously it's like, I think it really is kind of open for interpretation. And I learned, by the way, afterward that there are like multiple endings, but obviously there's like one like yeah, ending, ending. One canon ending. But like, yeah, like if you take out the, uh, the core and then just fly but, off into but, space. Okay. So I will say that like, as soon as I took out that core and that music started chills like yeah, ran all over my body you're like, you're done. i was just like this is it you know this is the, the run like yeah. and if you mess there up are, there's, there's no, no response basically you you take out the time the core time loops end right the next time that sun blows up it's for real right yeah. and you imagine how frustrated i was i was feeling all these things right yeah and then i got eaten by a freaking anglerfish yeah, i think that's a common and I was experience like, yeah I was just like, come on, man. So I actually had to do that like two more times. Yeah. And like, I can only imagine like the exhilaration I felt when I first did it. If I had made it that first run, that would have been like, oh, that would have been so good. But it's okay. You know, like, but the freaking anglerfish give me anxiety, man. I, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, so I made it to the vessel, right? Stuck in the warp core, warp to the eye of the universe, which is the thing you've been trying to find basically. Yeah. Uh, which like I just want to point out game. like how thematically amazing this game is. It the game is about observation. Like all you do the entire game is observe things, and it's like like the the theme question is like, does anything like the most important thing the universe can do is observe itself? Is what they're saying, and like a lot of like the know my technology, you observe it, you look at the ball and move it with your vision. That's how you control right, things. yeah, and like. The quantum mechanics in the game are that if you're looking at something, it's there. But if you look away, it can move. Like the I whole love game, the quantum mechanics. The yeah. whole theme is about observation. And you're chasing the eye of the universe, which when you observe, it's going to do something. <laughs> right. It's, but I, I will just say another little tangent. You know, I, I love the quantum moons. It was it was so rewarding figuring yeah. out like how like getting the moon to warp to the sixth location to the eye of the moon and then t- seeing a nomai. Yeah, like the extent the civilization that went extinct like hundreds of thousands of years ago and actually talking to one. Yeah, like it's, man, the, the the reveals and like the just the rewards for like putting in the work in this game are just unparalleled and it's like just it's just knowledge yeah that's that's the most beautiful thing but anyway so going back to the end of the game right you warp to the eye and then things start getting a little weird right so you explore it for a bit you jump in um and then you see the museum right like the museum where you started the game and you read some of the entries and they're altered right like based off of like what you accomplish this game and it's all like past tense right like this is a civilization the, your current civilization is now being referred to in the past tense, right? Yeah. So it's very much the implication yeah. that, like, a race everyone that it, learned to travel through space at the end of the universe. Like, yeah, the end of the universe, right? So that that's another thing that gets revealed as you play this game, right? It's not just your solar system. The entire universe is dying. All of the stars are blowing up. Uh, and basically, the universe as we know it is trying to end, right? But it can't quite end because of the Ash Twin Project. Because the Nomai figured out a way to go back in time 22, 22 minutes, right? And the sun going supernova triggers this interval every time, right? So basically the universe is stuck, right? It can't die even though it's supposed to die. And you doing this allows the universe to finally die. And it's... I don't know. It's, and notably, it's, like, the time loop had been happening for a long time before you got stuck in it. That is revealed later in the game that uh, the time loop had already happened thousands of times before you became a part of it. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember if I 
saw that or maybe i got something mixed up it's but. when you um it's when you find the coordinates it tells you the number of times that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay it's like in the yeah. thousands or tens of thousands yeah and uh you but yeah, not so, died that many times <laughs> so you get to this place right and obviously like the the uh, the eye of the universe is a is a quantum phenomenon right so like things are not quite right so you you see npcs that you encounter in the game popping up you you there's a recreation of like the woods and the campfire and stuff and then like as the universe is dying right like you you gather together these npcs like these astronauts who went exploring for one final like song for one final performance which by the way you know like being able to like hear different instruments when you point your when when you point your like telescope at different planets is such a brilliant yeah and like mechanic. being able to line yeah. them up in a row and hear the whole song right yeah but they play the song and uh the universe explodes and everyone dies yeah um and that is the end of the game but there is a post credit scene that seems to imply that this death of the universe was part of like a cycle right so like it's like a 14 billion years later sort of after credits thing and you see another planet that looks similar to uh timber hearth the original planet you started on with like people gathered over a campfire so, so the implication so- is that the, the that there's another universe you know like the so, universe continues even if even if it dies you know it eventually comes back but that's know, not so. the only implication um the game actually strongly suggests that the only reason a new universe formed was because you observed the eye of the universe and that if you hadn't that would not have happened oh okay yeah because the new universe is different based on some of the things that you do during the game and what you see if you right. um, if you never meet a solanum there is no life on the new planet Oh, wow. Because you believed that you were alone in the universe. So the new universe is empty because you're not in it. Whereas if you meet Solanum. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is largely saying that your desperate, you know, clambering of this puzzle together is the most important thing that could have possibly happened in the universe. In the entire universe. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Wow. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. That's just so beautiful to me. And that, like, this game feels hand-built for me. Like, I grew up in the woods of West Virginia. Like, I grew yeah. up going camping and playing guitar in the woods with my friends and, like, doing this stuff and, like, you know, lashing together some wood to build simple structures and stuff. So, like, the aesthetic of the spaceships that are, like, cobbled together and the the way they treat space travel like a camping trip. And the way that the single most important thing that happens in the entire universe is you sitting around a campfire playing a song with your friends hits a chord with me that is so deep, like... Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's just incredible. No, it's it's an incredibly special game. And, you know, like, I don't know, like, obviously, like, it it, it is weird, right? Because you know that, like, if you end the game... Right, like you want to end the game, right? But in doing so, you end the universe, your own life, the life yeah. of everything you know. But like, it feels like the right thing to do, you know? Right, yeah. Like it, it feels like the natural order of things to make that happen, you know? Yeah. And then you're at peace when that finally happens. It's it's a weird feeling, man. Like it feels, I, feels yeah. highly existential. I yeah. really like it. I I love watching people play this game for the first time. Like I, if I see a streamer. 
playing it for the first time, I'm watching, like... Yeah, that's something I can never capture again, really, unless they make another game. You'll feel it a little uh, bit more in the DLC. You're very fortunate that you get to do that. The DLC yeah. is mechanically not as good as the base game, in my opinion, but the writing is incredible in it. And it it actually manages to expand on that story without taking anything away from it. And I, think and I did, I did see because I was just looking up stuff afterwards that like the playing the like the DLC can actually impact the ending too. Yes, yeah. So that that's pretty cool that it integrates with the main game that heavily. Yeah, you have to play through the ending again to yeah to get the full experience from the DLC. But yeah, just like the range of emotion, right? Like, so I started out like curious and then feeling dread, and then feeling calm and in control. And then feeling sadness, but catharsis and peace. Like, those were, like, my emotional... That was my emotional progression Yeah, playing this game. And it's uh, it's pretty crazy that a game that, you know, is just about exploration doesn't even have voice... Yeah, doesn't even have voice dialogue, you know? Yeah, that uh, is the one do... thing that I, I that is a little frustrating about this game is that, like, if you don't like to read... You're not gonna like this game. It's yeah, this game. Yeah, like all the clues are you have to you have to read all read yeah. all of them. Uh, but I think it's but it, it's it is so the best game it. I've yeah. ever played. I like bar none. I or at least I mean it's the most important. It's definitely up there for me. Yeah, it's definitely not not hyperbole. <laughs> no, it's so good. Yeah, it's really good. Which okay, so you want to get mad here? Yeah, for sure. a second. Yeah. I just had a curiosity. I checked the Metacritic score. I it's not that good. I know it has the same score as Outer Worlds. Yeah, which is yeah, which is just like but that doesn't. So the reason that doesn't make me mad is a little bit elitist, but like I also saw it only had like fifteen reviews. So like not a lot yeah, of people not a lot of like people played, played this it. game. Yeah, and a lot of game journalists, and this isn't even me calling them idiots. They don't have the time for a game like Outer Wilds, which like. If you yeah, don't like give Outer Wilds the time to really stretch its wings, then it's not it's not that good. Like it is a lot of floating around space, and like most of the people, I'm not calling them idiots. I know a lot of people that could not come to terms with the ship controls and never played the game because of that. And then there were there were some people like Justin McElroy, uh, used to work for Polygon. He could not figure out where to go, and that frustrates me to no end because it doesn't matter where you go everywhere you go you're gonna find yeah stuff. no i i definitely felt like can't not have their hand held i guess uh, maybe just a contemporary comparison like in in a sense it was similar to elden ring where i was just like all right i can't figure out where to progress beyond this location let just me just go, go yeah. somewhere completely else I, and i and at that at a certain point in the game i had enough faith that like whatever i discovered in location b would eventually tie back into location exactly. a because everything in this game is connected i was thinking of outer wilds when i was playing elden ring for that reason yeah like and I, yeah, like, uh, I, it is, it is a bold statement, but I feel like Outer Wilds has made them, because Outer Wilds, the version that we played is the final version, but it was like doing rounds throughout the game development community for a long time before that. And it kind of feels like it has informed some major games since then. I mean, I mean especially it came like out all these time in, loop games coming out. It came out in 2019, right? Yeah. But it so was we're, like- we're- in the news just, in like 2017, I think. But here's the thing. We're just now probably going to start seeing the fruits of what that game has done to the scene at large, you know? So, And that's really exciting to me. But uh, there's just some stuff that I feel like Outer Wilds gets right. Like Outer Wilds gets an open world right in the same way that Breath of the Wild does, but on a much smaller scale. Like 
you see something, you want to go check it out, you go check it out. Like, Breath, like, Outer Wilds gets time loops right, which no other game has gotten right <laughs> since, really. I think every other game has actually done a really bad job on those, but they've yeah, definitely it, tried. The, the time loop stuff was immaculate, for sure. Yeah. And I just love, like, I want to go over some of the mysteries, too, because, like, the mystery in, like, Giant's Deep, figuring out how to get, like, underneath yes. the current, oh which I learned God. later, I learned after the fact, you know, after I read the game, that you can actually slam into the planet with enough force to just sink beneath the current, which really? is just insane. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, so I didn't know you that. don't even. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? That's yeah, that's crazy. Did you did you so, like um, break the universe? No, I, I read about that afterward, yeah. but that didn't end up. I I think I got close though. Like I was playing around with those like mini black holes and white holes. There's that a you couple created. different ways you can break the universe. You can um the the hole that forms that's supposed to send the information back in time. You can jump through that. Yeah. And uh, then you can meet yourself and, like, actually you have dialogue talking to yourself and stuff. Yeah, I saw that. Like, I, yeah. I, a- after I beat this game, I looked up every secret. I was yeah. like, I have to know, like, everything yeah, about this gotta game. Yeah, you got to know everything. It's yeah. just, yeah. It's but it's crazy that all that stuff was in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, there were, like, I didn't see any of those alternate endings. Did but... you end up talking to Chert while you were, um, there's, Chert is, uh, he's on. Ember Twin, right? Ember Twin. And he points out that the stars are exploding in the sky and how horrifying that is. And that's like the earliest point in the game. Probably. Oh, yeah, he did say that. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of just like hand waved it away. In the game that the Nomai are not destroying your star and that it's naturally dying. You yeah, I, I, I just, I, I just sort of took that as like, okay, you observed a bunch of stars, right? Like, there's billions of stars, obviously. Like, no, but you're you gonna observe like thousands like, of supernovas. As the yeah, you, I just realized. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, you can yeah. look up and see the stars popping. Wow, and there's not very many left at the at the end of the 22 minutes. Like. Oh my god, yeah, I, I remember, like, I flying through space, you see, like, these blue, fl- like, Pops, yeah, mini fireworks, yeah. and I was just like, okay, I just assumed those were galaxies, but now that yeah, we're talking, too. like, those were absolutely just dying stars. stars, wow, yeah. And, you know, they had died a Man. long time ago, like, because that's how light works. Right, like, yeah, wow. And that's why Chert's so scared when you talk to him, is he's like, there's not, oh, yeah, there's poor nothing Chert. left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed, um... I forget the uh, Gabbro. Yeah, yeah Gabbro. Gabbro. He's the one. He was so insane, chill because right? yeah. he was. He also could. Uh, he was also. He found an Amaya mask and got linked to the Ashwin project. Yeah. So he was also going back every twenty two minutes. He just didn't care. And he, who knows how long he's been doing it? Right. Like I think he's been doing it so long. He's just grown apathetic. You know. He so he's just. So he up? can't have been doing it much longer than you because um, I think you get caught on the first one. Because um, it's not that you hadn't seen the mask on previous loops or the the statue. It's oh wait, that- I have a, I have a question. Yeah. Sorry, this 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 is actually bothering me. So when you go to Ash the Ash Twin Project, there are three masks lit up. Who's the third one? That is the cannon. The cannon? Yeah, because the cannon is sending the coordinates that it. Oh, is so the cannon. Yeah. Oh, the so you can link inanimate objects to a mask. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, oh, it's okay. passing information. It's not like a soul or anything. It's passing memories. Okay. And so, gotcha. so, yeah, you are dying every time. It's just the memories of what happened that go back, which is kind of messed up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's sh- it's sending information because anything else would create a paradox. And the saying that information wouldn't is kind of wild. That's a weird take, but that's just the, the rules that the game decides to play with. Right, yeah. So, 
yeah, the cannon is sending back where it's already fired, and you can see the number of times it's fired, and, like, it tells you the number of firing that it found what it was looking for, and that's when it starts capturing you and, um, Gabbro, is on that one. Gotcha. Because it okay. doesn't, it doesn't put people in the time loop until there's a reason for people to be in the time loop, to, to actually operate on that information. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a game. Yeah. So, uh, also, so just going back to some of the planets, right? Because I, I just want to get this all out now. Like, the Brittle Hollow and how, like, the core of the planet's a black hole. Yeah, and they actually you think you were going to use... die the first time you fell in? Yeah, I fell through and pop out, like, the white hole, and I'm just yeah. like, oh, my God. And then I found the white hole station. That was and one then of the first places I went. One of the one of the biggest fist pumps I had, because this, this actually took me a long time to figure out, was the uh, Quantum Tower on brittle hollow right because i was just like how the heck do i climb this thing yeah and then i realized right because like the whole planet like the the beautiful thing about i keeps using that word right but i it's an apt descriptor but like beautiful because it's something you look at yeah but 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 like one of the most awe-inspiring i should say things about this game is that like these 22 minutes are dynamic for the entire entire solar system. So what I what do I mean by that, right? Like so like things are constantly happening over time that actually affect so like let me put it this way. There are things that might be available in the first like 5 minutes of the 22 minutes that are not available after that or vice versa, things that are only available in the last like 6 minutes that are not available after that because things just change over the entire 22 minute interval. And one of those things, right? Brittle Hollow has a moon that bombards its planet with like meteors right and as the planet is bombarded with meteors the the city that exists underneath the planet uh falls into the black hole like one piece at a time right so eventually i realized the quantum tower will fall into the black hole and once it's fallen into the black hole you can chase after it get popped out the white hole now you're in the vacuum of space without gravity and you can climb the tower any which way you want and that was a huge i I was like i can't believe this when i when i figured that out yeah that was that was a big one for me i was trying to fly the ship up in it (laughs) yeah i was just like i couldn't i was just like what is happening and there is some stuff you can brute force by being good with the ship but that's not oh yeah absolutely yeah uh, there, the, there are like shipless speedruns of this game too, and those are nuts. They like shoot themselves out of the geyser. The geyser, wow! And then land yeah. on a planet where they can grab. That was another thing. Like, ship. there's so many like fun, yeah, discoveries. No, everywhere. So even e- that, like, like I ju- like the yeah. first time I jumped down the geyser, I was just like, oh, this is neat. And then it shot me back up, and I was just like orbiting the planet. I was like, this is so rad. Like, and it's so much fun because a lot of that stuff you don't need to solve the major puzzles of the game. It's just fun, like lore down there yeah like where you learn that the nomai like saw your species back before right were, back like, back while you were like an aquatic fish or whatever yeah. and like and that that's the reason you survived when the uh the interloper exploded was because ghost matter can't go in water yeah and that's the only reason your species survived it everything else died that's like so good it's such a good story it <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really good. It's really really special. I just love. That I know. I know. So so too. if you've been listening to this podcast, right, and you hear Connor rant and rave about this game, I can now confirm that he's not a crazy person. It actually is that good. So not go play just it. Just right. <laughs> and nobody, you are like, it's just you and Ryan. I think of people I know that have played this game. Like nobody, but like every like 
every big YouTuber I watch has played it and loved it. Every streamer has played like even this the Sea of Thieves streamer I started watching started talking about how Alder Wilds is the best game ever made the other day. <laughs> yeah. It's just and they're just right. Like it just is the best. <laughs> It's 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 up there for me. You know, I, I definitely need I mean, to think it about it some it more. But like, like, if you need combat and action, that's not in this game. Like, yeah, it's just and the fact that they it, it's an indie game. <laughs> it's I, I don't want to sound pretentious here, but it's profound. It is a it profound is. video game. It has a lot to. It say. makes you question like your life. It makes you question the end. Like yeah. it just brings those feelings to the forefront. Um, and it's it's also yeah. like an interesting commentary on sci-fi when you combine it with the DLC, and we can talk about that once you play the DLC because it mm, I I'm okay. not a well-versed in sci-fi individual, so I actually kind of had to pick all that up from my cousin who hasn't played Outer Wilds, but when he heard me talking about it, he he was actually suddenly fascinated on like its commentary on science fiction. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So we'll get there. You I'm know. trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about this game, but I already yeah, basically said how it, talking about it now for <laughs> how it the, made the me thing. feel. I talked about the cool puzzles, the Ember Twin Ash Twin thing. I sp- probably spent the most time on those two planets just because, like, I felt like there was so much to yeah see there. Um, yeah, the the inter- uh, one thing that took me a while too was the interloper because, like, I knew I had to wait for it to. Uh, start melting right when it was close to the sun but i couldn't freaking find the fissure but then i realized it was like right there yeah. in the front like it's like highly visible i was just like looking in all the wrong places because like if it's you look li- well if you look further in the back of the interlope right like a lot of that ice melts but there's nothing there right it just melts and there's like rock and yeah. i'm just like what what the heck is this where is it but like, yeah at the very front like a clear fissure opens up and can drop in I, um, I I implore you to like watch the um the like video like I think there's a no clip documentary about it. I, I watched that literally today, like yeah. an hour before I, this podcast. Yeah. I just love that this game started out as a student project that was just like, and you can see how it evolved from here. But it was just yeah. sitting and roasting a marshmallow while the sun explodes in the background, like, and you you can just see like you can still roast marshmallows in this game. You can heal yourself by doing it. And oh, I didn't know you could heal yourself. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, God, you're gonna have to tell yeah, so, this episode the one where we talk about Outer Wilds for an hour. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> uh, coming up on two hours here. Yeah, we thought it was um, a short one. So uh, another yeah, you thing, just right? Had to bring up the Outer Wilds. Yeah, I, I had to. I it, it was, was time. The uh, Dark Bramble too. Like yeah. I loved exploring the Dark Bramble, and you know what? It was so freaking stupid. Like the fish that existed there, they never bothered me until that last run that really? actually mattered. And I like I never like yeah like before I got past them just fine. Did you have to like solve the puzzle to get past them, or did you just like into it that that was what you needed to do? Solve the puzzle. Yeah, there's like them. places in the world you can go to read lore and learn that you how to get past them. But it also is like oh yeah right because they're they're blind right yeah. so I did I did I did know that right okay. like so I just moved slowly but like so I knew that in the last run I just like messed up the ex- execution and it like yeah. totally killed the vibe I was like come on that happens to a lot of people yeah. yeah but yeah it's an incredibly special game uh that's that's all I have to say yeah Ryan will be messaging us about this one <laughs> yeah I see you Ryan. <laughs> 
talk yeah. to Discord. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for us for this episode. Thank you all for listening. You can follow us at Adpodcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or any other podcast services you use. Click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yeah, see you guys next week. Oh. Yep, I, I'm, I'm available next week. Yeah, I'm available next week. All right, see you next week. Bye.